heads in a word of prayer. God, thank you for this time. And thank you, Lord, for this day. And God, I pray that you would just move in our hearts with enthusiasm and excitement to see what you're doing, Lord. We want to give you the praise and you the glory for all that you're doing around the world through us, Lord. God, thank you for using us in such a powerful way. We pray that lives would be transformed, that people would be drawn to you because of the effort that you're allowing us to put in. So we praise you and thank you for this time that we can spend together. In Jesus' precious and holy name, amen. All right. Other, one more thing here. All right, so we've been going through, we're talking about, you know, exploring Christ and growing in Christ and going close to Christ and then Christ-centered, all right? And there's books that you can read to help you in this, on these steps and these spiritual, and this spiritual journey. Two of those books, one of them is Screwtape Letters, okay, and Pilgrim's Progress. If you, hadn't, if you have not read Screwtape Letters or Pilgrim's Progress, I, we, we order about 20 copies of each, and they're at Wise Words. Make sure you grab them, okay? If, if they run out, go online and read those two books because those are foundational. You need to read them. They're going to help you in your walk with Christ. Screwtape Letters, Pilgrim's Progress, and one other one I want to mention that you can pick up online is Mere Christianity. Those are three books that you can read. Now, depending on where you are spiritually, okay, if you feel like you're close to Christ and you want to get Christ-centered, I said this last week, just email me or text me and tell me where you think you are spiritually, okay, and I'll, and I'll help you with some books that you can read to move to that next level of spiritual growth. It all kind of works together. Now, in Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 3, God tells Israel, you have circled this mountain long enough. You have circled this mountain long enough. Now turn north. Now turn north. A little background. The Israelites at this point were, were wandering the desert for about, for about 40 years. Okay, it's nearly 40 years. Now God calls them from the southern border of Edom, okay, to the land of Canaan, which was in the north. He says, I want you now to go north. I want you to move north. Stop walking in circles. It's time for you to move. Have you ever in your life, in your spiritual life, felt like you were walking in circles in a desert? You just feel like you're walking in circles, aimlessly walking in circles, or in, in a spiritual dry place in your life. This morning in our, in our series, A Work on Purpose, I, I would love to help you get your wheels, if you will, out of the rut. Now, so many times we kind of feel like we're in a wagon and we've been on the same road, the same roads, and our wheels have just worn ruts into the highway. And that's where we're stuck. And we just take the same path, the same path. And a lot of times that path is going around in circles. And what God is saying is, you know, you're a work in progress, but it's time for you to get your wheels out of the rut and move in a different direction. Move forward. Enough of going around the mountain in circles. You need to move north. You need to move north. Did everyone get a compass? Pull out your compass. Get your compass. This is a quality compass right here. I'm telling you something. <laughs> okay, everybody's got your compass. Do you know what? Do you know what you use? You, you use this for? Mo, most people know what a compass is, and they know it kind of helps them set direction or whatever. But they don't really know how to use it very well, right? They, I don't think a lot of people actually know how to use it very well. 
The compass, now, now this compass, if you get stuck in the woods, just use it to throw at squirrels or something and try to kill one. Because this isn't going to help you probably at all. I'm not sure this thing even <laughs> points in the right direction. But, um, but it, it's an illustration. You'll have it. You can hang it up and remember what I said this morning. That's why I keep giving you little, little trinkets and gifts and everything. Because I want you to remember when you see this, say, oh yeah, all right, now I remember. So a compass has a needle that's been magnetized on it. And it always points in a certain direction. When you put it down, the compass will point in a certain direction. Does anyone know what that direction is? North, okay? The compass is going to point north. Whenever you get off track, if you're outside and you get off track or you go, you're on a path and you get off the path, you can, you can take your compass and the compass will always help you because when you get to that point, it's going to point north. And then if you say, well, I don't want to go north, well, at least you know where south is and east and west. It gives you a reference point. The conference is a refer- reference point and it helps you move in the right direction. So many people in this world don't know, they don't know which way to go. They feel like they have no purpose and meaning in their lives. People in, this, people in this culture are stuck. They don't know who they are. And they search for their identity in all the wrong places. They're lost. They're actually lost. And many of them wish, they actually wish they had a compass, if you will, to help guide them. My friends, here's the thing. This is a compass. This is a compass. This is a compass for life. This points us in the right direction. When we get off the path, when we get lost, when we're confused, when we don't understand our identity, if we don't feel like we have purpose or meaning to our lives, there's your compass. This will point you in the right direction. The Bible, the Word of God, is a compass for life. It is a compass for life. As we read his word, God directs us onto the right path to take the right path. In Psalm 119, 105, it says that God's word is like like a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. God's word lights the way. It means that God will help us light our way. He will help light the way through the ups and downs of life because every single one of us have those ups and downs in life, right? There's not one person here who's over a certain age who's not faced ups and downs in life. And God says, I will light your path. I will be a lamp. I will be a light for you. That's the word of God. The word of God is that light. The word of God is that lamp. It is a compass. It tells you which way to go. When you get off track, it sets you back on. You know, I I don't care if you have been off the path, if you've come to church for the first time in two or three years or five years, and you've been off the path. You know what? The word of God will pull you back. All you need to do is ask God to forgive you and move forward. That's all you need to do. Because God is a God of forgiveness and God is saying, you know what? I can put you right back on that path. You pick up the word of God. It's a lamp. It's a light. It guides us where we need to be. He will help us know which direction to take. He will help us to get around or avoid the obstacles and the struggles and the difficulties in life. How many times do you see in your own life where you get yourself into trouble? It's your own choices get you into trouble. Why? Because you're, you don't know the word of God or, or you're not obeying the word of God. God is saying, go, go right or go left. And you're like, well, I'll take my own path. And then you get yourself into trouble. And then honestly, a lot of times we get upset with God. 
God, how could you let this happen to me? I can't believe why me, Lord. Why you? I told you to go right and you went left. You had a compass. Oh, there's north. That's what we do. The word of God is like that compass that points you in the right direction and helps you avoid some of the things that we have to deal with in life. If you feel lost or you like, like you've been wandering in circles, the Bible will help you fill you, fill, fill, it will help fill you and it will help point you to your true north. I mean, how many people here this morning feel like, I, I, don't, I don't know which way is north. God is saying, hey, You've wandered in circles long enough. You lived that, this way long enough. Now I want you to go north. The Bible, the word of God will show you which direction is true north for your life, for your life in specifically. This morning, I want to lay out, I want to lay out four biblical principles. These are four principles that will help in that process will help you walk in that process as you as you walk through these steps i want you to use i want you to use your own story this is important okay you can use your own story you say i don't even want to tell you my story you can use your own story to help navigate god can use your story our god can use your story to help you navigate your life it's a it's a he's a god of miracles right working with us he needs to be He's a God of miracles, and he can do that. He can use your life to help you navigate through life. Our stories can be a guide that God uses to, to really to, to strengthen us and show us his plan and his purpose for moving us forward. He will strengthen us internally, and he will guide us, and he will show us his plan. God will help us as we try to move forward in our spiritual walk. This series is about taking the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you are in your walk right now. It doesn't matter. You could say, man, I am so off path. I am so I'm so outside of the will of God. God. That's okay. God can bring you right back in. God can bring you, it can pick it. This, this series is about bringing you back into that right relationship with God and helping you. If you're exploring Christ, he wants you to be growing. If you're growing, he wants you to grow closer. And if you're closer, he wants your life to be centered completely around him. And don't use any excuses this morning. Don't let, the, don't let Satan speak into your heart and say, you're so far gone. See, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So we need to follow these biblical principles that help guide us, and God will give us the strength to do it. So let's look at those steps. Step number one, connect your life story to your purpose. Connect, you need to connect your life story to your purpose. Your life story, my friends, is more than just a bunch of memories. Okay? They're God moments. So much of your life, these are, these are God moments. You may be thinking, well, yeah, it's God moments for most people, not for me, because I didn't even come to Christ till I was 25. I didn't have any God moments before that, or 35. I didn't have any God. I wasn't walking with God at that point. So God wasn't really a part of my life. Just because you weren't walking with God doesn't mean God wasn't walking with you. Doesn't mean that God was not a part of your life and that he can't use those past experiences, both positive and negative, to guide you on your path. 
God, God is the God of the universe. God is the God who knows every hair on your head. He's the one who created you. doesn't matter if you, you gave your life to him when you were 25 or 35 or 45. He can still use your past, okay, both positive things and negative things to get you to where you need to be. You just have to allow him to do that. Romans 8.28 says this, and we know that in all things, you know how much I love when the Bible says all, right? For we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. In all things, in all things, if we know him now and we love him now, he will use all things that ever happened in our lives to help us to become more like Christ. You're thinking, no, he's not going to use that thing. Yes, he can. Have you repented of it? Have you learned from it? If the answer is yes, then God can use that in your life, to steer you in the right direction. He can, he, can, he can show you what not to do. You remember, he'll remind you. Remember, let, let's not take, let's take this path. Let's go this direction. He will use that. You can take what you've done in your past and you can use that to help someone else to avoid making the same difficult mistakes that you've made. God can use those things in our lives. He's not holding them against us. That's not what I'm talking about. Far as from the east is from the west, so far as he separated our sin from us. Because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, I am covered with the blood of Christ, and so I am a new creation. He's not holding any of that against me. He's using it for my benefit. He can now take the negative things that were once a part of my life and use them for his benefit, for my benefit. Even our past experiences... Even the difficulties we faced when we were younger. Let me give you some, uh, maybe a personal example. Deb and I were both what you would consider at-risk kids when we were growing up. Deb from New Jersey, I grew up in New York. We were both what the world would say are at-risk kids. It's the main, it's one of the main reasons why we started back-to-back ministries in 1996. We wanted to use, we wanted to use our stories to encourage students to believe in their hearts that their past doesn't have to define them. There are kids in our own country and kids around the world who go through all kinds of difficulties, who are in horrible situations, but we wanted to let them know. We wanted them to understand that your past doesn't have to define you. Nothing dictates my destiny but Christ. Nothing else. No one else. No circumstance. No event. No situation dictates my destiny except for Christ. And we wanted to let, and whether it was kids in Mexico working on the streets in Mexico or in, in, in like parks in the early and mid-90s, whether it was going down to downtown Cincinnati and over the Rhine and mentoring students in downtown Cincinnati, whether it was working with, with uh, student leaders and developing student leaders through impact groups and strengthening those students, investing in their lives and helping them to see that regardless of what has happened in your life and the difficulties you faced in your life, that doesn't have to dictate your destiny. That doesn't define you. No one defines you but God. No human being defines you. Nothing defines you but God. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Connecting your story 
as difficult as it may be in some parts, helps you find the common threads. God helps you start to, if you will, weave them together to steer you to your purpose, to steer you to your destiny. That's what God does. That's what's awesome about God. He, take, he brings beauty out of the ashes of your life. And we, as, as we, as we, as individuals, as we work through our relationship with Christ, we begin to realize that we can use our pain and God's transforming power to tell stories of hope and healing. That's what I can do with my life as an at-risk kid. That's what Deb did with her life as a person who's gone through way more than I went through. But because of our experiences, because we gave our lives to Christ, because he dictates our destiny, we can tell stories of hope and healing that will encourage others to maybe follow along and know that God is powerful enough to overcome anything that anyone has done or throws at you, even things you've done to yourself, even choices you've made yourself. As you reflect your story, you'll find common themes that guide and spiritually teach you. You'll find those themes within your story. Here's the cool thing. Our mistakes, this is what I love about being a Christian. Our mistakes and our failures sometimes become the greatest motivators and spiritual teachers. I wouldn't, I'm honest, I'm being honest, okay? I wouldn't give up anything I went through as a child because it gives me passion today. It makes me, it, 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 I, this, I get righteous anger when I see things happening to people who can't defend themselves, people who are hurting. Why do you think we started self-sustaining enterprises? Because we had nothing better to do? Because we have kids all over the world are being trafficked in sexual trafficking. We have, widow, we have widows all over the world lost their husbands to AIDS and all kinds of things going on. They're in horrible circumstances. And you've you got to look back at your own past and, and draw from your own pain sometimes to enter into other people's pain. And that, when you enter into someone else's pain, it drives you, it motivates you to try to do something about it instead of just hearing about it and saying, that's too bad. It, it internally drives you because you, you have at least some understanding. So I am, I am I, you know, I don't wish it on other people, but I'll, I'll take it. I'll own I want my past because it drives me forward and I can use it as a motivator and a spiritual teacher to impact the lives of others. Second step, builds on this theme. Allow God to use your failures and hardships to guide you. John Wooden, the famous basketball coach, said, failure is not fatal. Failure is not fatal, but failure to change might be. Failure is not fatal, but failure to change, that's what we're talking about. Going from here, and then changing, going to here, and changing, going to here, and changing. God constantly changing you. That's what I love about being a believer in Jesus Christ. If you know me five years ago, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was 30 years ago. Hopefully in six months, I'll be a completely different person than I was six months ago because I'm constantly growing in my relationship with Christ. The goal, that's why we lined it up with the cross, is to go from here to here to here to here. 
to become more like Jesus Christ. That's the goal. We need to continually change and become stronger spiritually and better spiritually. So often we face challenging situations in life. We choose to allow them to stifle our growth. We face it and we just kind of crawl up in a ball. We get stuck and we end up, we end up walking in circles. Understand something. That's not how God designed you. When you have the Holy Spirit of God living in you, when you give your life to Christ and you have the Holy Spirit living in you, there's nothing in this world, there's nothing in this universe that can stop you from fulfilling what God has called you to do. Nothing. You, you are a dangerous human being when the Holy Spirit lives in you. Jesus Christ himself said, when I leave you, I'll give you the Spirit and you, you will do greater things than you've seen me do. When we, when we roll up and we crawl up in a ball and we just give up and we, oh, you know, I'm not able to, we, we are literally calling God a liar, that somehow God can't work through us. He can work through other people, but he can't work through me because my background and I've been through and I've done and all these things. Do me a favor. If you're going to act that way as a Christian, if you're going to say, well, I'm not capable and I can't do this, whatever, just want, go, leave this here, go out somewhere and just call God, say, can I, can I come, I want to come into your presence, Lord, because I want to say something to you. You're a bold-faced liar. You're a, you tell God he's a liar, because when you act that way and you live that way, when you live that way, like somehow you're a victim and somehow you've done this or you've done that, and you're saying, God, your, your, your death on the cross, Jesus, your death on the cross wasn't sufficient for me. For other people it may have been, but not for me. What you're saying is, God, you're a bold-faced liar. So you might as well just say that if you're going to live that way. But I don't want you to say it, and I don't want you to live that way. God has so much more for us, so much more for us. Here's the thing. The Israelites were going in circles around a mountain, going in circles around a mountain. Sometimes in life we go around and we face giant, we face these mountains and they seem to be overwhelming. But listen to me, mountains are not a dead end. They're just an obstacle to overcome. Mountains are not a dead end. Giants in your life are not a dead end. They're just obstacles to overcome. We need to overcome them. And you say, well, I don't think I have. I know you don't. You don't have the strength. I'm not sure I'm smart. Maybe you're not smart enough. Maybe you're not whatever. That's not what I'm saying. God is going to do it through you. You know what God loves to do? He loves to take people who other people would say, ah, they're not capable of that and doing miraculous things. You know why? Because when you do something miraculous, when you do something mind-boggling, you do something world-changing, people go, how on earth? And you give the glory to God. God working through me, I was able to do that. What a testimony. So you're, you're, God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. So many people allow their hardships to sideline them. So many people allow their, hardship, their hardships to dictate their destiny. Can't happen. They make, they, they make that negative event that happened in their lives the, the focal point of their lives. Now, I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again. It's like that event that happened to you becomes the sun in your life. S-U-N. And everything now revolves around the sun. Notice what I'm making. I'm making a circle. And God says, stop walking in a circle and go true north. Go north. I want you to go north. It's time to move. It's time to stop going. The only sun that your life should revolve around is that one. 
That's the sun that we revolve around. S-O-N, not S-U-N. I don't care what event it was in your life. Break free from that pull and start to live your life and go north. God says, you've been here long enough. I want you to move. I want you to go north. Another thing that people love to do is they like to just avoid dealing with it. They go through something, they just avoid dealing with it. But here's the problem with that. It becomes an emotional time bomb. It's still, you're still dealing with it. It's in the back of your mind. And here's what it does. It controls you. It just lingers there. And it controls you. What we need to do, and not those two things, what we need to do is we need to allow God to use the events in our lives to transform us. Allow God to use the positive, the good, the bad, and the ugly to transform us. I can learn from the bad and the ugly in my life. David did. Right? An adulterer. Killed Uriah the Hittite. But God ultimately calls him man after his own heart. Why? Because God lear- David learned from his mistakes. David learned and he moved forward and did what God called him to do. Here's the thing. The first two options here, letting it control you or trying to avoid it, both those options are a trap from Satan and leave you wandering aimlessly in the desert. Both of them are a trap, avoiding the issue completely. Why do you think you have so much stress and anxiety and worry in in your life? Because you're not giving it over to him. You're not trusting him. You're not putting your life, you're not putting your life in his hands. And when you do that, you overcome all of those things. You have to see, you have to see all of your story. You and I, all of us need to see all of our story both the good and the bad, as a learning experience. When we can see our whole story wrapped up into one learning experience that God can use, okay, then, then you can use those experiences to move you forward. You can use those experiences to help you grow. Think about it. I want you to think about this. Think seriously, okay? When do you grow the most? When times are just peachy for you? are when you go through struggles and trials and difficulties and mountains and valleys and challenges. When do you grow the most? When things are easy or when things are difficult? When things are difficult. 95% of the people in this room would say, I grow when I went through that challenging situation, when I went through that relationship difficulty, when I went through this, when I lost my job, whatever it is, that's when you grow the most, especially when you're a follower of Jesus Christ. God uses those things to help us to grow. The third step is to use spiritual, the spiritual discipline of quiet reflection. Now, I need you to really track with me on this one, okay? Because this, this is kind of going up as we, on these steps. We need, and you, can, and, and you can start wherever you are right now. You can all do this. You'll gain more from it as you grow spiritually, but you need to start the discipline now. Use the, spirit, use the spiritual discipline of quiet reflection. My gosh, this is, this is so hard for this generation, the younger generation, because of you are inundated. You got your phone, you got your computer, it's constantly going off. It's attention, attention, attention. It's drawing your attention away. You need a time. I'm telling you, if you want to live a life that will be meaningful, that will be purposeful, and you want to understand God's will for your life, if you want to understand your purpose in life, 
why you exist, what's God's specific will for you, you have to do this or you won't be able to understand it. So I'm just giving you a heads up. Two spiritual disciplines that have been lost in our culture, in our Christian culture, in our culture completely. One, one is the ability to judge your own motives, to look into your own heart, to judge yourself and judge your motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? And the other one is to, to, is to, is to rein in your, your sinful desires, okay? The things that you want to do. We have, we have the, almost the inability now to rein those things and say, you know what, this is, it, it feels tempting to do this, but I'm going to choose not to. We, need to. we need to have this self-reflection in order to overcome those things. Even the disciples, okay, fall in this trap. In this trap some. They, they've fallen into this trap before. One time in Matthew chapter 18 and verses 1 through 4, the disciples fell into this trap. I call it the stinking thinking trap. The stinking, yeah, it's stinking thinking, okay? It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, who then, you gotta, I mean, I can't imagine Jesus taking this question. Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? All they're going through, all, you know, don't have a temporal view, have an eternal view, you know, the eternal view. And this is what they're asking him. Yeah, we have an eternal view. Who's the greatest right now? So who's going to sit at your right hand? Who's going to be the best when we get to heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Okay, let me tell you something about the Christian life. It's not a race to the top. It's a race to the bottom. It isn't a race to the top. Who's going to be better? I'm better than you. I'm, this, I'm better than this. I'm, I'm, I'm so great. Pride, pride, pride. It's not a race to the top. It's a race to the bottom. The disciples lost. They basically lost their, 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 their thought process. They had the wrong thought process here. Again, they had stinking thinking. I want to be better than everyone else was basically their attitude. Who is the best among us, Jesus? I want to be made, make sure that I'm the best. And we do the same thing in our lives. I do the same thing in my life sometimes. We become so self-focused. We chase after our own desires. What makes me the best? What makes me stronger or better than everyone else? And I, 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 me, me, me. It's so hard to overcome that. We all do it. That's why we need to, we need to constantly Take time for quiet reflection. It's the only way to overcome that. Self, being selfish comes natural. If you think I'm, you think I'm making that up, hang out with some one and two and three-year-olds. Seriously. Put some toys and some candy in the room and hang out with them. No one teaches them how to do that. They just, they, it comes naturally. Mine, the first thing your kid's going to learn is what? What word, what's some of the, the, the two words that my kids learned first were no and mine. No and mine. They knew that. They had those down. No, 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 mine, mine, mine. I read a quote by Margaret Wheatley that I really like. She said this, without reflection, we go, we go blindly on our way. Without reflection, without, without that reflection, we go blindly on our way. We need to not just 
have time. We need to make time. Make time for quiet reflection. What you, before you leave here this morning, or before the end of this day, you need to get your calendar out, and you need to set aside time for quiet reflection. Period. You've got to do it. Quiet reflection. It means spending time with God in prayer. And listen to me. It means, and this is going to be hard for some of you to understand, but you will as you, as you process through, as you grow in your faith, you'll understand what I'm saying more five years now than you. Some of you will understand it five years now more than you understand it now. You need to listen more than you talk. You need to spend time with God and you need to listen more than you talk. I told this story once before, but I think it fits in so well with the sermon. I'm going to tell it again. Uh, Dan Rather, who used to be the anchor for CBS News, one time was interviewing Mother Teresa. And so Dan Rather, you know, Dan Rather, he's the man back then, and he comes to Mother Teresa says, Mother Teresa, um, what do you say to God in your prayers? And Mother Teresa said, I don't say anything. I just listen. And so Dan was kind of taken back a little bit and didn't know what to do with that because he expected a little dialogue. And so he, he, he rephrased the question. So, Mother Teresa, when you're with God, what does God say to you? He, she said, she smiled with confidence. She said, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. <laughs> Dan Rather's like, uh, thank you for this interview. <laughs> you know, all 30 seconds long. Um, listening. I'm going I'm I'm to try to close your eyes for a second. Just close your eyes. Listen to these words, okay? Sometimes God's greatest gift to us is silence. Quiet reflection. Where our mind becomes secondary. Where our mind becomes secondary to our hearts. And the Spirit's whisper consumes our souls. The God whispering to us, that's what consumes us. Listen, doing, doing, doing stuff ceases. Words become completely useless. And what matters most is just being in the presence of God. Just quietly being in the presence of God. You want to know what your purpose in life is? Do you want to know what the meaning of life is? Do you want to know what God's will is for your life? You need to be in the presence of God. Being in the presence of God is all that matters. Okay, you can look up. If you haven't read the book yet, Practicing His Presence, you need to go buy it. If you're, if you're in junior high, well, it's going to be hard, but you can read through this book in like hours. Okay, it's very small. Practicing His Presence is called. And it'll help you understand a little bit of what I'm talking about right now. Reflection. Reflection requires quiet contemplation. And from that spiritual discipline of quiet contemplation, God can show you your true north. God, which way do you want me to go? God, which way do you want me to go? Quiet reflection. God will show you. It's in that place that you can reflect on your experiences in that place where you reflect on, the ex- on your, all your life experiences and God shows you how they can relate and align with your story. 21 years ago, I was kind of in a, um, 
a spiritual crisis, if you will. I was going from one ministry, uh, I left one ministry, and I really wasn't sure what I was going to do, and I, I was kind of struggling. I, I didn't know exactly what God wanted me to do. I really didn't. I usually know, I'm like, you know, I'm thinking ahead, always thinking ahead, and I, I wasn't thinking ahead. I didn't know what God wanted me to do. So uh, we, it was, uh, I have a friend who lives in Mexico, a pastor, Rene Gonzalez, and Rene said to me, I called him, I was talking to him about it, and he said, you need to come down here to Mexico, and you need to spend some time in the mountains. I have a place up in the mountains, and I'll let you kind of stay there for a couple of days. So I got a ticket, got in a plane, flew to Mexico. I drove up and got in those mountains, and if you know me, I'm a doer. So the first thing I did when I got up there was just start thinking, what's next? I'm going to get a map out a plan. And I had all the, how could I do this? How could I work? How could I work this out and figure this out? And so I got up the mountain and I said, you know what? The best thing, I'm going to read my Bible. So I started reading a little bit. And here's the thing. I'm up on this mountain, okay, in Mexico. And, this, and the roosters were just, you know, those roosters, they don't just crow in the morning. They crow all day long. And they were crowing, and I'm not exaggerating, guy was mowing the lawn. I've never even seen a lawnmower in that area of Mexico, and someone was mowing the lawn. And on top of that, I'm on this mountain, the roosters are crowing, the lawnmower's going, and someone's got this mariachi music blaring on their, their boombox. And picture, I'm on the mountaintop trying to read, and it's just like this sound, 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 all these things going on, and I'm trying to figure out. And then God said to me, in my heart, he said, I want you to read 1 Kings. Now, not my favorite book of the Bible. I wasn't like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to my... He said, read 1 Kings. So I started reading 1 Kings. And as I was reading through 1 Kings, I got to a certain point, and the roosters stopped crowing. And the mower went off. And for some reason, the, the music was gone, and it was silence. As I was reading, it, it got quieter and more quiet and more quiet until I got to this point and I read this. It was completely quiet. It was completely still. I couldn't hear anything. And I read this. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. But after the fire came a gentle whisper. And I was dead silent. And at that time, God spoke into my heart and told me what he wanted me to do. Where he wanted me to go. He, told, he showed me my true north, but it was in the silence. It was in the quiet. It was in the stillness of just being still and knowing that he is God. That's where he showed me my true north. That's why we have Grace Chapel. That's when I decided to start Grace Chapel. Knowing yourself, knowing yourself, and knowing the will of God takes quiet contemplation it takes a lot of effort but it takes quiet contemplation only when we are quiet do we understand the direction that god wants us to go we find it in the stillness we find our true north we find our true north in the stillness 
to start that work, it's hard work to, to, just, to figure out who am I, Lord? What do you want? What is your will for my life? It is hard work. That work starts when we create a habit of quiet reflection. I'm sorry. There's no way else around it. You will not grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You will not get past here. You will not get past here unless you spend time in quiet contemplation. Unless you make the word of God, okay, your foundation, you will not grow past, you, you cannot get past that point. Fourth step, take the focus off of yourself. You need to take the focus, and this is, again, this is difficult. Everything I'm asking you guys to do seems like the last, well, since we started Grace Chapel, but the last six months or so, I'm asking you to do some difficult things. Take the focus off of yourself. Write down Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I want you to write this down. If you can, over the next year or so, try to memorize it. Philippians 2, 1 through 8, it says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others, listen, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not only look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Memorize Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and it will transform your spiritual life. Memorize it and then live it. I've seen, I've seen movies and heard, I've read books and, 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 and some of the times the main character in the book says that, you know, I, I should be the hero of my own story for goodness sake. I should be the hero of my own story. We usually begin as the hero of our own story. The problem is we also want to be the hero of every story we're involved in. Whenever we get involved in something, we want to be the hero of our story. I'm the one who, it's me. If it wasn't for me, I wouldn't. If it wasn't for me, I wouldn't. Any, any situation we find ourselves in, we become the main character. We become the hero of the story. But to become Christ-like, you need to look beyond yourself. To truly reach Christ-likeness, you need to look beyond yourself. Christ followers recognize that leadership is not about them. It's about serving other people. True leadership, true spiritual maturity is not about you. It's about serving other people. True maturity realizes that the story isn't, it really isn't my story. I am, I am a part of God's epic adventure. And your goal and my goal should be to be a, a hero in his story. 
It's his story. I want to be a hero in his story. That's what we need to understand. All of this is God's story. We're a piece of the puzzle. We should want to be a hero in his story. To take the next step on your spiritual journey, you need to incorporate other people into your story. And when you incorporate other people into your story, life will have more clarity. Life will have more meaning. Life will have more purpose. It'll have more significance. We need, to, we need to make our mission. Listen, we need to make our mission in life about others. Not about myself. It's about others. And when we do, we'll become the person. Here it is. We will become the person that we were designed to be. When we make others the focal point, we will become, we will become spiritually mature. We will become the person that God has designed us to be. Remember what they, what remember Jesus said? Remember what he said when they asked him, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? What's the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength it's his story and then what did he say after that and the second is like it love your neighbor as yourself love your neighbor as yourself you know what this all boils down to it all boils down to and this is another this is another one and i you you guys can do we can do this okay but here's what we're talking about we're talking dying to self you die to self in Colossians 3.3, 3, it reminds us, when you gave your life to Christ, it says you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died and your life is now hidden with Jesus Christ in God. When we, oh man, when we understand the meaning of dying to self, when you truly grasp what it means to die to self, your life will be completely transformed. You will no longer worry. You will have no more anxiety and stress and all the things that, we, that consume us. It will transform your life. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it next week. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We pray, dear God, that you would truly move in our hearts. God, that you would help us to become the people that you designed us to be. I know how hard it is, Lord God, but I pray that you would give us the strength to do it. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. We give you the glory for who we are and who we're becoming. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.